You may be seated. When we had our mission team meeting last month, Brian Davidson asked me about preaching, and specifically preaching on stuff that I wanted to talk about. He's heard me say numerous times that I don't always preach on what I want to, or that I say, I wish I could preach on this. Apparently I use this phrase a lot. I didn't have an answer for him because I don't really know how to answer that question. There are some things that just are not preachable. You may think it would sound interesting for me to preach about religion in Rome during the time of Jesus, but believe me when I tell you that would make for a great book and not a good sermon. There are other times the Spirit pulls me in different directions. I try to make a conscious effort to preach about little-used texts and books or misunderstood ones. In fact, one of the best sermons I think I've ever preached here was the one I did on Jonah a few months ago. And yet there are other times when news or society dictates that I need to say something about what is going on, but not because it's news. After all, you can get the news from the New York Times or the Sunday Sun and not even have to show up to church. Rather, I think it's important to focus and see where and how God is working through the world, either through joy or grief. Now, I was taught in seminary not to preach on politics, but to preach on injustice, which I try to do. And I like to think I straddle that line well. And I do this not because I really like to, those aren't my favorite sermons, but because Christ did this in his public ministry. He did not ignore what was going on outside the doors of the temple. Rather, he was very much involved with it. All that to say, sometimes you're going to have to preach about stuff you just don't want to talk about. And as I shared on Facebook earlier this week, I really do not like talking about racism. I don't like looking at stories of people of color suffering or dying and having to then do verbal and spiritual gymnastics to explain why it is important that we care as a church. I don't like calling back to echoes to slavery, Jim Crow, and housing segregation. I don't want to sound condescending when I tell you that that Martin Luther King Jr. quote you said or posted probably doesn't mean what you think it means. These are not sermons I want to preach, they are not stories I want to tell. But as I look at what happened in Charleston and what has happened so much in this country, and then when I consider that the shooter was a member of an ELCA congregation, I cannot help but ask myself if I'm preaching on racism enough. When I consider ELCA has its own issues with racism, I don't know if what we do is working. I borrowed today from the words of our presiding bishop, Elizabeth Eaton, and her statement on the shooting. <clears throat> we might say that this was an isolated act by a deeply disturbed man, but we know that that is not the whole truth. This is not an isolated event. And even if the shooter was unstable, the framework upon which he built his vision of race is not. Racism is a fact in American culture, Denial and avoidance of this fact are deadly. The Reverend Mr. Pinkney leaves a wife and children. 
The other eight victims leave grieving families. The family of this suspected killer and two congregations are broken. When will this end? Today we read a great story about faith. Jesus calms the storm. In, both, in this instance, the leader of this group does something that is thought to be impossible. No one thinks that Jesus can still the waters. But we know the answer to this all along, and it takes faith. That simple thing which is no greater than the size of a mustard seed, but can move mountains when lived. A belief in a God who delivered David's people from the hands of their enemies, and a belief in the Son of God who delivers us all from sin, death, and the grave. Faith in that God, which is of course easier said than done, as this story proves, but faith nevertheless. And so I've been wondering, how do we live that faith against the witness of sin? Oh, let me rephrase that. How do we live our faith in a way that witnesses to the stamp of racism on our society that we are called to combat with faith, hope, and love? If God can deliver Israel to freedom, God can deliver our own country from its racial heritage. If God can deliver us from sin, death, and the devil, we too can be delivered. But how do we see this? How do we take that work into our hands? And I feel like this is the same question that's been asked in this worship space after the Zimmerman verdict, after Ferguson, after Tamir Rice, after Freddie Gray, and yet still, I do not have an answer. But I believe that it begins with repentance. For as Jesus first preached to the disciples in Mark's Gospel, repent and believe. We can have faith that God will deliver us, but first we must clear ourselves from our sinful burden. It is only in understanding what separates us from the love of God that we can help truly bear that love. In South Africa's Truth and Reconciliation Committee following apartheid, there is a focus on coming together. Rather than punishing their Afrikaner criminals for decades of racist torture and death, there is a simple call to acknowledgement. People were asked just to name their crimes that had been committed by the racist government, murder here, the kidnapping there. They just wanted their heartache and their pain validated on a legal level. They wanted people to confess what they had done. So it is with us. Our repentance does not have to be teeth gnashing and ashes. But it begins slowly with simple acknowledgement. That time you said the N-word in private. That time you flew the Confederate flag. That time you looked down on someone for being different. Maybe these sins are between you and God, and maybe you never even considered them sins before this week, when nine people lay dead at the hands of a white racist while the flag of slavery waved on in the background. I have my own prejudice to deal with. But I know repentance works, and I know it is good for the soul, and most importantly, it is what God calls us to do. It is only in repenting that we can lift up our hands to this awful storm in our country and say, be still.
It is only in asking for God's forgiveness and an understanding of how racism works on a deep level that we can calm this storm. I can't make you do it. My words are not enough, and it's arrogant of me to think that I can. But the word of God is strong enough, and we hear that word through faith. But if we continue to let racism affect us, we cannot truly see Christ in the person that is not like us. And as I told someone this week, it has been in my many failures that I've seen the love of Christ in people who do not look like me. The Son of God, who was crucified for his own race, shines a light on all people, affirming their sacredness. God does not give up on us, and God will not give up on this, but we must have the faith to trust what God is doing. I don't want to preach this sermon again. Am I optimistic about that? Frankly, no, I'm not. But I do have faith, and I'm ready to repent, and I'm ready to listen to God, and I'm ready to put my arms up and say, be still. Because when you believe in the transformative power of the love of God, the storm really isn't that bad at all. Amen. Please rise as you are able.